0: Hey there, my awesome listeners. I have an exciting announcement for you. The Mental Arts Podcast is now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. If you're an Apple listener, please take the time to submit a question for future guests on our show by going to The Mental Arts on Apple Podcasts and submitting a review. We'll be sure to feature your question on a later episode. For more content about optimizing your mindset for better grappling performance, check out resources available on thementalarts.com. Once again, that's T H E M E N T A L A R T S dot com. Thanks for your support. Would you rather fight one horse sized duck or 10 duck
1: sized horses and why? 10 duck sized horses because uh, size does matter at that scale. And I will take (laughs) any amount of 10-pound weenies (laughs) over a 200-pound duck. I mean, a duck has like a beak, you know? Like, it has wings. I'm not trying to get slapped by a horse duck.
0: Hi, I'm Tracy Huang, and trust me, we know exactly what we're doing. This is The Mental Arts. Sometimes in life, you just get lucky with your friends. That's the way I feel about my jujitsu buddy who trains out of Kogaihan Academy in Shirlington, Virginia. Today's show features Beatrice Jin, a good friend and all-around hard worker. I had an instant connection with Beatrice when we first met, though I didn't really understand why. Later on, I found out that she had attended Cornell University and most significantly was a member of the Telluride Association. For most people, the word Telluride, spelled T-E-L-L-U-R-I-D-E, makes them think of skiing in Colorado, and that is not correct. TA is instead about preparing and inspiring students to lead and serve in their communities. I will not call it a secret society, but it is an organization with few avenues for entry, and it maybe has some interesting rituals. Maybe. Anyways, whenever I meet someone who knows about TA, the ways of LL Nunn, and understands what a BERT is, I get really excited and giddy to connect with them. And even better if that someone shares my love for jiu-jitsu. Beatrice is wickedly talented in all respects, in her day job as a graphics reporter, her role as a jujitsu athlete and kids coach, her keen eye for finding humor in situations, her deep caring of her friends, and her pragmatism with regards to training. I'll be jumping in and out of the interview to give you my commentary on our conversation. Okay, and now onto the show. There's like this debate about the basics versus like doing the fancy stuff. And I, I don't know where I stand on it. Cause I'm, on one hand, I'm like, yeah, I really like the basics. On the other hand, I'm like, I'm sitting in this apartment and I don't really want to shrimp that all that much because
1: it's boring. Yeah. Okay, well, like, full confession, during this quarantine, I have done zero BJJ warm-ups slash mobility drills. Like, <laughs> cool. I, I'm not okay with shrimping on my carpet. Like, this is not, um, like, I, I don't think I would stay sane. Um, I'm definitely, like, one of those people who, like, didn't, like, warm-ups. But actually, without jujitsu, like, I've, I've focused a lot on, like, yoga and stretching and running and, like, breathing that has been pretty good okay but back to the actual question which is like base like basics versus complex stuff i mean like there's no escaping basics because like i don't think any of the complex stuff can be executed in a live situation without um without like a solid foundation in, in basics like. You see a lot of like white belts these days using lasso guard in tournaments and that's like so mind-blowing to me because like understanding the tension and leverage necessary to like like have an effective lasso sweep is like that has been like a challenge for me I feel like like I feel like every time I use lasso guard like someone is smashing it or someone is throwing my foot in a different direction. I just think, like, all these small adjustments are, are like, created when, you ha- when you're, have when you like, building your foundations and, like, learning what, like, tensions are supposed to, like, be applied in different directions. Yeah, like, I think, like, anything beyond, like, a basic Vassal Guard sweep where you just, like, lift someone over your shoulder is, like, not possible in a live situation unless you understand it.
0: I have an interesting thought that just came up. What are the basics in jujitsu?
1: ooh, everything I said is a lie now because that question is like... Because I answer this question
0: the opposite way. I mean, go ahead. No one's going to fact check to you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to give it a shot. It's like basics are like understanding positions and like the seven, six or seven like basic positions. Like basic, like the concepts of passing and retaining guard. Oh my god, I just keep trying to think of synonyms for basics when I'm saying this. <laughs> fundamentals. <laughs> and the fundamentals of breaking alignment. Grips. I just thought that because you said position. Yeah. I feel like grips. Yeah, grips and the, the, yeah, like just simple motions that will break your opponent's alignment, I think. Like like above all, is alignment and leverage. And then I think like, the
0: second layer of it is probably timing that would be like basics plus I would say. Yeah, somewhere that's a it's question. There's like, yeah, somewhere out there there's like a brown belt or black belt like maybe potentially listening to this and just like cringy.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, I know. It's okay. <laughs> I mean like we had like a blue belt test and so like we had like uh, probably like 50 to 100 techniques on it but I don't know if that like is considered like basics or is it just like techniques?
0: So when I said grips, the reason why that came up is I was thinking like, okay, how would you get somebody to that position? And then I was like, oh, well, you gotta like grab them in some way. They're not just gonna lay down for you. And then I remember at least in gi, you tell somebody to do like a cast pod, they're like a very, very beginner. They're not gonna know what it means. And even if they kind of know the general movement of it, like. You notice like they're not gripping it correctly or they grip with their thumb on the inside, which is bad for your fingers. So I do think like that is that is part of it. If you don't know what shrimping is about, look it up, because I'm not gonna describe it here. It will not turn out well. In terms of what I think the basics are, man, there's so many resources out there by people who are way more experienced, but generally I think it breaks down into five categories. Positions, grips, escapes, takedowns, and then kind of a catch-all category that I consider as concepts. So for example, understanding that when you play guard, you are protecting a fortress or that if you are in somebody's clothes guard, it's probably not a good idea to put your hands on the mat. Um, Those I think are what I constitute the basics. Um, Another thing that I found helpful is thinking about like what are you missing that's needed for the foundation of a specific movement or techniques or what must be in place before you add something else. One good thing I heard about from a brown belt is like this analogy of jujitsu is almost like you're learning to write software code. Um, I'm not a software engineer. I'm probably my little sister can tell you a bit more about it, honestly. But I think the thought is like, you have to have certain elements in place before you can do certain actions with those elements. So if you want to, um... You know take a variable and do something with it well you probably should define and declare the variable first um, if you're less like operator oriented um, one good way is like to think of it as kind of an art form i mean it is an art form so the idea is like you're putting together a painting of source like what colors are you missing what elements are you missing what picture are you trying to create and what end result are you trying to get to And um, do you need more Van Dyke Brown? Do you need more happy little trees? Is there a mistake that's not really a mistake, but just like you can turn into something else? Um, Whatever like your frame of mind is, is definitely worth thinking about because I feel like once you have a handle on generally, like what are the most important priorities to you, whether that's in a role in drilling or really in life, like that's going to help you really elevate your game in terms of figuring out what the next steps are. So in this section I start by asking her about the importance of mindset and its role in jiu-jitsu competition success. And I'm basically trying to figure out um, if she agrees that mindset is just as important as the physicality of mastering the techniques themselves. I think her answer actually surprised me a lot because she has this very interesting way of describing the role mindset plays in competitions that I wasn't necessarily expecting. And then we get into a little bit about why jujitsu is so interesting. I think you'll find her response both humorous and also insightful. So listen up and I'll be back after this with my thoughts.
1: Like when, when we're competing, you kind of notice that like everyone is pretty much training the same. It's not like someone is training like eight hours a day and one person is training like three times a week and then they're pitted against each other. I mean, usually the people who are like being matched up in semifinals and finals are like pretty similar level, like a lot of the a lot of the same amount of time. They, they've like trained for like a similar amount of time or like uh, have I like gone through similar intensities of like hardship anyway guess like, it's like impossible to like say like they're equal but it's just like everyone has been through their own shit and everyone's competing at a high level and so i feel like what really matters at the very very end is like that mindset what have you liked about Jitsu so far now that we have a little bit
0: of space from it I think one of my friends was saying like, oh, she tends to see it through more of a rosy lens. Like, oh, I never got injured and I totally understood all the technique.
1: Mm. What do I like about Jiu-Jitsu? That's such a weird question. Like my coworkers ask me that all the time and I'm like, oh, I don't, I just like people sweating in my face. (laughs) (laughs) And then they'll stop asking me questions. This is so cliche, but like Jiu-Jitsu is something that you can never like truly master. And so it feels like, every day no matter how i feel there is one thing i'm going to get better at or understand just a little bit more and that'll be jiu jitsu i used to run a lot and like i've gone back into running since like jiu jitsu's canceled but like running is not the same thing it's like you don't get better at running every time you run sometimes you like do a lot worse and sometimes like you just can't but like jiu jitsu there's always like like my coach always says like if you can like raise your pinky then you can do like little pinky armbars and you can come to class uh, like, there's always something to work on. And so I think that's, like, a very beautiful part of it. And then the other thing is, like, the body— I feel like the human body, it's not, like, really meant for jiu-jitsu, you know? Like, our arms aren't meant to be bent backwards. Like, our shoulders are not meant to be forced behind our heads. Our ankles are not supposed to pop. Um, like, all these things are so unnatural, and yet we can learn them and do them and, like, come away like powerful. And I think that's also, like, very beautiful and empowering. And people sweat on you in the process. People sweat on you. Yeah. Um, I also read, like, I've been reading this book about trauma, and I think that BJJ has been, like, a very physical way of confronting basically a dangerous situation but it's like very controlled like you your arm will absolutely break if you don't tap but you you always tap right and so i feel like that's also been it's like it's been very healing to deal with like any sort of physical trauma that like i have and i've noticed that like other people have
0: there's a lot to unpack here so I'm gonna do my best to be brief. The book that Beatrice is referring to is called The Body Keeps the Score and there's just two things I want to share about it. First is the painting that is on the book cover. It's a piece called Icarus by Henri Matisse and it shows the Greek mythological creature, person, God, Icarus, Um, He has just flown too close to the sun and he is in free fall. And what some critics say about this art piece is that it really doesn't show him in a moment of distress. Even though he's falling, he seems to be at peace with the fact that he's falling. And I think that this book cover is a great choice for this book. I just want to read you a quote from it. Traumatized people chronically feel unsafe inside their bodies. The past is alive in the form of gnawing interior discomfort. Their bodies are constantly bombarded by visceral warning signs and, in an attempt to control these processes, they often become expert at ignoring their gut feelings and a numbing awareness of what is played out inside. They learn to hide from themselves. I think this is a great quote because one of the things that jujitsu does is it really forces you to confront the true image of who you are. There is no hiding on the mats. If you are scared, it will show in your technique. At least for like an inexperienced person or if you are completely paralyzed with fear, it will show in your technique. And I think a lot of people when they first come into jujitsu have this sort of shock to their system where they realize that they are just a ball of emotions and feelings and thoughts. But I think the other thing that Jiu-Jitsu teaches you is that you can confront these difficult situations, not necessarily from the role of a victim, but from the role of a survivor and then a fighter. And for me, Beatrice and a lot of people, we found a lot of healing on the mats. I don't think that means to say that you should not find a therapist or if you need medication. I mean to say that this is one of the few places where you can have yourself exposed, you can feel naked and vulnerable, while at the same time hopefully being in the hands of a caring partner and under the eyes of a watchful coach who will protect you and who would teach you how to become stronger. I just really appreciate that we talked about it.
1: I think I always felt like I was like relatively well equipped for the time that I was training, but no one really cares about how long you've been training; they just care about like what you, how you perform. So, um, I just liked that it was like structured because I'd never been to something that was like an like it felt like an open mat, but it was much more structured. Yeah. Um, uh, Were you now, competing at that point? I yeah, i had been to like two, one or two competitions. What were the two competitions? It was it was a uh, grappling industries and Copa Virginia, I, I think at that point. Uh, but honestly, I think like competition training, it was it was not really about like forming my mindset. I feel like that can only be for me like formed. Uh, it's like it's much more of a day to day thing. Like okay, like I'm gonna work every day to build up my mind, and then like it can only be truly tested at competition. And comp training is just like. An opportunity to like test techniques not like really in my mind
0: okay so what what's kind of like your ideal frame of mind going into a competition and then how do you think competition helps you change it
1: oh that's a good question i think like the best the best i felt in competition is when i knew that i was like as prepared as i could be for something like i had done my conditioning i had like trained every day and then like when I was training um I had been like deliberately working on things and I think it's like it's never perfect because I've never had like a week where I was like oh like everything about training is great it's always been like like I'm missing something or like I can't believe I got smashed again or something like that but like competitions are just like an excuse for me to like work on perfecting each of those weeks I mean, I've heard this a lot now, but, like, a lot of, like, high-level competitors will say, like, it really doesn't matter, like, who you're competing against. Like, you're just there to do your job. And, like, whoever, whatever they do, they're doing their job, too.
0: Yeah, I think that's important because it feels like you go in there and you have, like, certain expectations. And then when those expectations come crashing down, it's it's almost, like, it's not really fun for that to happen. Um, so, I think, like just focusing on yourself is really helpful. I mean, for the competitions in which you've done well, like, did you have expectations or like how, what was your frame of mind going to those?
1: I think like every competition, I have the same sort of like dread, like, oh, like what if I don't perform well and people are watching? I mean, like, I, I don't think it's necessarily like how I prepare for the competitions. I feel like my last few competitions I've done, like relatively well, at least like f- in preparation. Um, I feel like definitely it was. it's just like part of like maturing into the sport, right? Like I always think about like the blue belt is the puberty belt. Like during puberty, we're like not in check with our emotions all the time. And we're like still learning like what our bodies can do. And so um, I feel like I'm getting a little bit better at that, but I totally recognize that I'm like a jujitsu jiu- a jiu- teenager and like all these things have like a lot of room to grow. But like as a white belt, I feel like I had like decent technique for a white belt, but I like felt like my mindset wasn't ready or like I was either like overconfident or underconfident. Uh, or like relied too much on like my physical attributes. And like that that always showed in competition. I even injured myself once in a competition what do you mean by physical attributes um just like that i knew like uh back then like i knew like i was probably doing more conditioning than a lot of people um i probably trained like more days than a lot of people and i and um like for my weight i was pretty tall and i felt like that could be an advantage i mean like all those things are like tertiary i guess because like it's like first mindset second technique and then third these physical attributes and like I always focus on like number three when i should always be focusing on those first two okay tell me about the first two mindset and technique mm-hmm. and they are just like kind of what they sound like right like you have to build your mind strong enough to like not doubt yourself and like a lot and have enough preparation where like in a competition you're like just like ready to execute no matter what's happening there's like definitely not room to make mistakes especially as like we Slowly, slowly advance. Technique is also just something that, like, I feel like it's just like in constant refinement. Like, I I guess like we all, like we all at this point know probably like a hundred, two hundred techniques, but performing them in the proper situation and like the exact right alignment for your where your opponent is that just takes a lot of time. And like true technique is like being able to see like where your body lines up to the other person.
0: So do you, I mean, okay, this is really interesting to me because on one hand, there is this separate, like very separate like delineation between technique and then having like strength and conditioning. But it's almost like, sometimes I feel like the line between the two blurs because one, on one hand, you when you have technique, like sometimes you do need to use strength or you do need to have good conditioning, particularly when it comes to speed passing. So is it necessarily wrong for people to rely more on their cardio or whatever? Or is it more of like, if you have good cardio, but you're not putting your energy in the right place, mm. then you might as well like not be doing it at all.
1: Well, I think in training in general, I think it would be best like to not rely on those physical attributes. I think in competition, you should get everything. Cause like the point of competition is like really to win and like learning you can take place in the other 350 days of the year. I don't think in the end it's like really wrong to use those physical attributes. No matter what, when we're sparring, we're always like fighting against the other person's physical attributes in some sense, right? Like, I will always have to make like small adjustments if someone is much bigger than me. But if someone's much bigger than me in a muscular way versus like a more floppy way, it's just just like completely different. Like, an omoplata would work on a shoulder that's really stiff or a shoulder that's really loose. So I think it's like everything is just very, very circumstantial. And I think only experience can uh, like really combat that.
0: Okay, I really like that point because I was just talking to my friend um, earlier today about she was watching um, one of the black belt commentators on flow grappling. And one of the things they mentioned was the fact that um, they don't really focus on specific techniques anymore when they're in a match. They're more so looking at what the other person is doing or what, what they, what they are doing, but like looking at the, the way a person manipulates the other person's body Mm -hmm. in order to, um, have the effect that they want. And I want to ask you like from a perspective of both a student and a coach, you know, for the kids, um, as a student, like what have you found effective in terms of learning, um, jujitsu and then also like in terms of technique put your hand here put your hand here or concepts and then also when you teach the kids like how do you explain things to them
1: oh okay those are like three i think there's like that's like three questions yeah um, sorry We can on, take
0: them in turn <laughs>
1: i'm gonna go in order um so i think like as a student it's uh i've been listening to this podcast called bjj mental models And um, it reflects a lot of what my coach, Victor, also talks about a lot, which is basically like breaking down all of these, uh, like categorizing all these techniques into uh, different aspects. So like uh, alignment and leverage and asymmetry. And sometimes like when we're in class, uh, Victor, my coach, will like talk about how, um, like jujitsu is a lot like war and like asymmetrical warfare is where you like kind of like with divide the enemy because like when you're dividing the enemy they're a lot weaker than when they're together and like the same thing like you're trying to divide your opponent's body as far as possible like extend their arm as far as possible pull their leg away from their hips um and that also makes them weaker so like these like overall concepts I feel like help when you're in an unknown situation but like there is no replacement for like the actual physical technique of this grip goes there that grip goes there right like it it always has to be like a very fine balance but like I think it's like inefficient to pile on like one specific technique and one grip at a time like you can't just learn like a thousand of them like eventually you, you have to have a system to like sort them out put them in order as always you have to make adjustments and so knowing how to make those adjustments also comes with like understanding the, these like higher structures of jiu-jitsu. And so, um, yeah, like I've I've enjoyed a lot like learning these mental models from like podcasts with my coach and also learning like a lot of like very specific details from uh, mostly like in-person training.
0: Cool, that that's a really good way of putting it. Um, what about as a coach for the kids?
1: I think the kids like things that are like more cool. Um, I think teaching techniques one at a time. At this point, I think all of our kids right now, they're less than six months into jujitsu. So having them just be able to successfully execute something is I think more important. And I like just want them to stay interested. So we focused a lot less on these broad techniques, but there are points where these models help. So like we teach them how to like, have a solid base. Uh, I'll have them like sit up really straight with their knees together, and then I'll push them over, and I'll be like, "This is when you have a bad base." Now spread your knees apart, and then I'll push them again, and then they won't fall over. So like simple illustrations of concepts like that, I think help. But we don't like really go into detail about like asymmetrical warfare. I feel like that's too much right now. It probably is too much. <laughs>
0: So I asked Beatrice what her top three favorite BJJ mental models are and I'll share them with you here. The sources that I use are from the blog BJJ Mental Models at BJJMentalModels.com and Spiral Mentality at SpiralMentality.com. The first is habits over results. The best way to achieve long term results is to build and maintain short term habits. Prioritizing habits is related to mindfulness the idea of focusing on the present moment rather than being caught up on hypothetical or past situations. The second mental model is asymmetry and leverage. You might have heard Beatrice refer briefly to the art of war. Asymmetric warfare uses guerrilla tactics in which deception and surprise on vulnerable surfaces of a large army increase the chances of victory. As it applies to jiu the concept is closely tied to the idea of leverage. By applying asymmetry, the small person can disrupt, alter, and unbalance a larger opponent. The third idea is Kazushi, spelled K-U-Z-U-S-H-I. The phrase means, quote, taking out of balance, and is the second step after grips are established. Remember when I was talking about earlier, of thinking of where there are gaps in your technique? Without using your grips to take an opponent off balance, you cannot expose the vulnerabilities for attack you can use the idea of Kazushi so that the opponent is too unbalanced to initiate a technique. In karate, this is also a familiar concept, where we always used to discuss how a person's unbalance is the same as a weight. Think on that for a moment. Once again, the blogs that I reference are thebjjmentalmodels.com and spiralmentality.com. Let's start with talking about the elephant in the room. Are we qualified to talk about jujitsu topics? Admittedly, Beatrice and I are only quote unquote blue belts. There might be a issue with us potentially giving out the wrong information or saying something that's inaccurate. You know, the way I think about it is that imposter syndrome is alive and well in the jujitsu world. Beatrice actually wanted me to bring up this topic proactively because I think there is this idea of not feeling qualified to talk about certain topics just because you lack a certain belt rank. So in the conversation that follows, like, I just want you to listen to us work through this issue and I'll be back later with my thoughts.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, like, again, at the puberty belt, and I feel like there are probably a lot of, like, older, more tired people who, like, know more and have experienced more and have, like, been through more pain. But at the same time, like, I also am, like, comfortable talking to you about it because I feel like like I've, like, devoted a lot of my life and time to kogayan like my gym and i feel like i do a lot of time to jujitsu. i made a lot of friends there so like my experience isn't worth like nothing
0: yeah i mean it depends i i felt this too especially um now that like technically i know slightly more than i did a few years ago there's two things one is i think when i'm coaching i've learned not to put myself down or i really try to catch myself because I realize like when I'm teaching somebody it's not really about me and if I seem really uncertain as to what I'm saying or if I equivocate in my language um, unless I am uncertain I like won't just add that statement in for the sake of doing so because they want to know that I know what I'm talking about even if in the grand scheme of like things in 20 in 20 years like, but relative to a person who's more experienced, I probably don't know what I'm talking about. But um, I always have to say like a fifth grader can always teach a third grader or something.
1: Yeah, that's true. Plus like we, like most of us practicing Jiu Jitsu are like adults, so like we have like different intersections of our lives to like carry through to Jiu Like, I mean, I don't think like my job does, but like things like like, life experiences and, like, different traumas and, like, different ways of thinking about training. I think those are all, like, very valid.
0: What I really like here is the statement that our experience isn't nothing. I think what's so great about jujitsu is that there are so many different ways to approach a problem and it's not like the only problem we are solving for is necessarily about a specific technique. Someone might have a problem with how to deal with larger opponents, and all else being equal, a person who's had to encounter this specific problem before would most likely have more useful or relatable things to say, or perhaps You know, someone who's never had an athletic background before and even just hearing how they had to struggle and work their way through something, it's it's just helpful to say, Oh yeah, you know, I've had that issue too. Like how do you deal with it? One of the biggest pet peeves that I have about jujitsu especially is because the hierarchy is so well defined and there are huge barriers to entry with regards to getting a belt rank, it's almost like those who haven't had a different experience treat the people who have higher ranks, with much, much more deference and respect. And I would say that as with all things, there's a limit and a balance to how human relationships work. Just because someone has a black belt does not mean that they are necessarily the best coach for you in life or emotional issues. It just means that they're good at jujitsu. They're good at their brand of jujitsu, right? And I think what I've learned is like this assessment of skill isn't necessarily helpful um, all the time because you need to give people autonomy to perceive and judge for themselves. I will say this, I try not to put myself down anymore. And if I do, the people who care about me in my life call me out for it. It's a lot of waste of energy to throw myself a pity party or not let my light shine as much. If I'm just putting myself down because I want to hide or I want to not let my light show because I'm afraid of critics, that is absolutely the wrong reason to do it. Just realize what I said. I don't really think there's ever a good reason to put yourself down, actually. I mean to say that if expressing uncertainty about something or putting caveats on something is helpful because it opens you up to more learning and opportunity. However, when I feel strongly about something, I try to say it because for me, self-expression is extremely important. What do you think about clicks in jujitsu? Oh my God. Um, This is along the community building and team spirit thing, but let's just go straight to the heart of the issue.
1: What do I think about clicks? Uh, Can you define what clicks means to you? Okay, so it's two
0: things. One is a the explicit click, which you almost never see anymore, and then the implicit one. The explicit one, I would say, would be how about, for example, people who compete a lot together and they, uh, let I me, mean, how about people who just go to the advanced class and you're not eligible to go to the advanced class? Okay, so that's probably like a very large click of people who are like, oh, did you, you know, that knock upon show that the other day and you probably don't know what they're talking about. But i think the implicit clicks are the ones that form as a result of they almost form like outside of the gym if they're friends or or they form inside of the gym and it's like this invisible force field of like you notice people there's this group of people that always drill together or like they always hang out together before class or you see like them doing other social stuff outside of jujitsu and then you wonder to yourself like why am I not doing social stuff outside of Jiu Jitsu? And also, <laughs> why was I not invited? <laughs> I see these people every day, and I think yeah, that's the kind of click that I'm asking about.
1: I think it's it's like hard to speak to that for me because our gym is so small that like the click is the gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if anything, really, in my gym, like all the girls were like got individually pretty close, even though we like never hung out in a group together. I think, like, personally, we were like always able to, like, reach out to each other or just, like, talk about random stuff. I do not know how to pass judgment on, on the clicks that I do see, though. Maybe I shouldn't.
0: We I feel more like- More of just, like, if somebody feels bad that they're not in the click. like, what would you say?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know if that's like jujitsu specific. I just feel like in general, like excluding someone for like a reason that is like not under their control is probably hard, but at the same time, like can't force like like any sort of relationship to happen. I don't know. It's almost like asking like how how to make friends. That is exactly what I'm asking. I can relate
0: because on one hand, when the person says like, I feel left out or I feel like nobody at the gym wants to drill with me or nobody likes me, on one hand I'm like, but we do like you, but you're withdrawn all the time. But then on the other hand, I'm, I've definitely been in those situations where like, especially when I visit like a new gym, like I am the visitor, I am the outsider. It's very like that kind of dividing line is much more clear. Yeah. People are trying to feel you out and people are unsure if you're a safe partner or not. So I feel like it is a little bit of give and take on both sides.
1: Yeah, I think it's always a balance. Like if someone is struggling with like imposter syndrome or uh, like depression or like honestly anything that like makes them more withdrawn and like it takes extra effort to reach out. Like a lot of people won't do it and some people will. And it's just, it's just like, it's just super situational.
0: Or you can do the thing I do insert myself physically <laughs> into that space. I, mean, I see, like, two brown belts talking. I'm like, oh, there's a side on over.
1: <laughs> well, you've been very successful in doing that. I, I have no idea if I would be able to sustainably do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is it is a little awkward. So mostly what I do is I, like, just go in and listen. And if they're just talking about, like, pop culture stuff, then I very quickly just exit the conversation. But it, if, it, if it's, like... Actually I do remember. So if it's like something interesting, my body language will indicate that I'm interested. Like I'm gonna face them and I'm gonna make eye contact with them. Whether or not they wanna make eye contact with me is like another matter. I think in that sense, like I probably more open. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing that you probably agree with is um body language if you're part of the clique and or the the supposedly super intimate gathering where like if you notice somebody standing off to the side I usually try to turn and face them so they feel like they're being invited in
1: yeah that's like a pretty fundamental like psychological thing to do right like open body language will invite someone in yeah even subconsciously
0: could only um, play guard or pass guard for the next six months, what would it be and why?
1: No, this is a trap. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait, hold up. Why is it a trap?
1: <laughs> okay, because I feel like I, I need to say pass guard because that's why I need to work on more, <laughs> but I hate it. And every time I'm guard, i pass a guard, like my opponents say that they... They feel like I'm passing them, but I feel like I'm falling on my face.
0: So would you rather fall on your face for six months or play card?
1: You know what? It is the time of COVID-19. Who knows if we're going to live by six months. I'm playing guard. Okay.
0: <laughs> Love it. Love it. Would you rather have a mandatory one-hour class of just warm-up exercises (laughs) (laughs) or a mandatory one-hour class teaching kids who are really hyped up on sugar and caffeine?
1: Oh. That is a really good question. I have to think about that for like 10 seconds. Cool.
0: Yeah, one of them while you're thinking is one of them is being like an absolute chaos, and the other one is being absolute boredom. (laughs) Oh, and their parents are watching too, so there is some like um, stakes there.
1: Oh well, I always teach with the parents watching, so I I actually don't feel a lot of pressure. Okay, I actually like it more. I feel like, yeah, Um, I think I would take the kids because. At least that's like a novel challenge, whereas warm-ups would just be like, I mean, I think there is a point where you warm up too much, right? Like, you can definitely overstretch and, like, injure yourself.
0: And yeah. also, who wants to shrimp for an hour?
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> 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 Can't shrimp for more than, like, two minutes. Oh, God.
0: Okay, here's a good question. How would how somebody kind of start thinking about doing strength and conditioning specifically for jujitsu as opposed to just getting sweaty?
1: I think the most important thing about strength and conditioning is that like what you like have to keep in mind no matter what you do is sustainability. Like if you can't do it for like the rest of your life basically then it's kind of a waste to do it. Well, not necessarily a waste, but it's just like, it's it's much less efficient to do something like really hard for two weeks versus like two months. I used to run only like two or three times a week before competitions, like for like a month-ish or so. Um, And that would make me hate running so much because even though we're doing running for jujitsu, running is still like kind of, it is a sport in itself. The basis of running is like having your aerobic base, which is like your uh, miles per week. And um, unless you're like consistently maintaining your miles per week, running is always going to be hard. Like you can't just get better at running in two weeks. That's like, it's like having a test, like a physical test in two weeks and and thinking that you can go from like 50 to 100 pushups. It's it's just like not possible. So like, that's what I've learned a lot um, about running now is like i'm just trying to like run every day and it's slowly become like easier and i've increased like my mileage from like 10 miles per week which is what i used to do for jujitsu and now that i don't have jujitsu i can run like 25 to 30 per week and it just like makes me realize like how important it is to like have a solid foundation in everything
0: i see this Sometimes in the new people, and I used to do this too, where either close to competition time or um, we also have a test like for the white belts for stripes, there is a ramping up of activity. And I think that's important because you do want to be in the certain mindset of like, okay, I am, I need to be focused. I need to like really do clean up the details. But then there's another part of it is like, if you don't consistently try to roll or to drill and like, actually take care of yourself outside of the gym as well outside of just the core class time it is very hard to to be confident and to be competent um, when it comes to like a situation where you have to perform so a lot of people have performance anxiety because there's so much buildup up up to it and I think what I'm hearing from you and I think what I've also discovered is like there is that ramp up but like that really should just be the icing on the cake at that point. You really should have something fine and good going into that ramp, ramp up period.
1: Yeah, definitely. definitely. I feel like the lifting is, it takes like a lot of energy to do. And like I'd often like over fatigue myself for Jiu Jitsu um, because I'd lift in the morning and then like go to practice at, in the afternoon. And like I told my coach that I was like starting to lift. He was like, okay that's like totally fine because it keeps you focused, but in the end it won't matter. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter. But like, I, I always kept doing it because it helped me, um, like you said, like have a foundation and just like have a base and like trust my body. But like in the fight itself, like I don't, I, I actually have no idea if it like really mattered at all.
0: Where is that give and take for where strength matters? Because it's like On one hand, if you're about the same size as somebody, like your force production probably is gonna be equal unless one person lifts and it's like, okay, then strength kind of does matter there. But I've also been talking to some people, they've given me the example of like, if somebody is 200 pounds and you're not 200 pounds, you're way below that in the the low hundreds, Mm -hmm. like strength is gonna matter because they're just gonna be stronger than you and they're gonna be able to beat you in that way and that's where i don't have a good response
1: yeah i that's like that's a really hard question um i think like C- claudia deval she recently came out like in an interview saying that like you know like i've actually started saying no a lot to people who are much stronger and bigger than me because like the gain for me as a smaller woman is actually like it's just like not there compared to a larger person who can who like. Especially if that larger person is unwilling to like give you opportunities to learn like the risk of injury and the amount that you can learn is is not is not even close for for like just those five minutes strength strength does matter to some extent I feel like I remember at the DC Open like my first competition as a blue belt my opponent Nicolette Honeycutt is a beast and she also power lifts, and she was super strong, like technical also, also. but she was like super, super strong. And she just collar dragged me down and sprung me in a circle and, and then like destroyed me in points. And that was like the day I actually decided that I should start lifting. Cause so I was like, like, I just like, I just completely broke. I was so soft in her hands. Maybe that was too descriptive for a podcast. That's fine. No,
0: it's <laughs> good. You told me that. That was like that was the worst DC open for like the both of us.
1: Yeah. Good God!
0: I think it was my first one I flew too.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was hard. It was a hard day. But um, but I, I like respected that a lot because like she put in so much work in like powerlifting and jujitsu and like I had like pretty much only been doing jujitsu and like been feeling like very like, weak and fatigued all the time. So I mean I, I still love to do pushups. I'm not ignoring it. I, I know that like at, at the final moments of competition it it will matter if our techniques are close. The tiebreaker will be like mindset timing, strength and conditioning, like all those factors combined. But like, I like I hope at the end it won't be strength and conditioning because that's what I'll be working Like, That's what I will have definitely worked on.
0: I think I agree with that because now that we're talking this through, one of the things I remember is sometimes you get really strong people who come into the gym and they might have done other sports, so they're very athletic and fit. And yet when they get in, in here, they don't have any idea of what they're doing, maybe you can't do certain things on them because they're just like gonna smash you or most likely like drop you in close guard, which is really unpleasant. Mm-hmm. But it's like they you if you if they're in the ghee and they have no idea what they're doing, there is a very discernible difference.
1: Yeah, there definitely is.
0: I get the sense there always needs to be like a balance of doing like short circuit sprint stuff versus um running like longer distances but there's also this other camp of people who are like to get better at conditioning for jujitsu just do more jujitsu and I'm not sure I fully agree with that but I'd be interested to hear what you think.
1: Uh, I think, yeah, I think it, that really, really depends on like how you train jujitsu specifically. Like if you train jujitsu and spar every single day, like five to 10 rounds, like, yeah, maybe your cardio will be better, but also your joints are going to be like, so like inflamed and messed up. I think for me, cardio helps, um, not like always during like one sparring round, but in the recovery, I notice that like. I feel like pretty good after 30 seconds to a minute. And that like definitely wasn't always the case. I remember like going to like open mats and then like having to sit out at least every other round cause I felt so exhausted. But um, I don't know if that like came with running or if it came with more jujitsu, maybe both. But yeah, I think that's just like up to that person like how they, how they want to condition and what's available to them
0: yeah like if you don't have open mass or if you don't your school doesn't do like hour-long sparring sessions yeah then yeah it makes sense to probably do something else although the thing i don't know i really don't know how i got into my head that sparring was the most important thing to getting better at conditioning and not realizing that it was like gonna destroy my joints it can be kind of hard though with like social media and stuff to balance that and to have like to make wise decisions around um, recovery and how you train.
1: Yeah, I mean, the other thing is like, let's remember that like, people post like their best moments on social media, not their worst. Like not everyone's gonna show their like arthritic hands after training, which is definitely how I feel sometimes.
0: Yep, yeah. me too. I was trying to screw on part of my mic today and I couldn't do it. I was like, oh God. this is, no, I need to like, this is a problem.
1: Yeah. I'm still waiting on my tendonitis to, like, get better.
0: All the world's an academy, and all the men and women, merely jiu-jitsu players. They have their takedowns and their guard pulls, and one person in their time plays many games, their acts being in five stages. At first the white belt, mewing and puking with their oversized geese, and then the whining blue belt with their ranked rash guards and broken bodies, creeping like snails unwillingly to school. And then the purple belt, sighing like a tired person, with a woeful ballad made to his destroyed hands. Then a brown belt, full of strange oaths and bearded like the pard, jealous in honor, sudden and quick in quarrel, seeking the bubble reputation even in the cannon's mouth. And then the black belt, an in intimidating stature, with mysteries formed, with eyes severe as scars of formal cut, full of wise advice and modern trickery. And so they play their part, last scene of all, that ends this strange, eventful history, a second discovery and forever journey, sans health, sans breath, sans social life, sans everything.